Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the first episode of the Close Screening Podcast of 2023. So today we're just going to be uh, turning our eyes back to 2022 and just discussing maybe some highlights, some low points of the films that we saw that this year, or I guess last year, I should say. Um, so Nicholas, I'll let you you kick it off because I feel you've got some strong opinions on some movies that I also have strong opinions on on the opposite side. Um, definitely as the honorary geek here, um, the movies that I'm always going to gravitate towards will be the superhero films. And 2022 was not a great year for superhero movies, now that I'm looking at the list. Um, just to throw a couple films out there, Morbius, Thor, Love and Thunder, Black Adam, DC League of Super Pets, and then the standout of the group, The Batman, which was one of my favorites of 2022. Um, Zach, you can certainly speak to these as well. Um, and audience members, you can certainly go back and listen to some of our episodes in 2022. I encourage you to go back and listen. But the superhero movies were, they were not good. Uh, whether it was the acting, whether it was the story, visual effects, it just wasn't doing it. And I think, uh, um, the alarm has been sounded. Is the superhero genre dead? Are we, no. as audience members, getting oversaturated? Are we getting tired of them? Because the quality is not quite there. Well, I feel like we all knew, as soon as that Morbius movie got announced, that it was destined to be a pile of dog shit. So nothing's really surprising there. Um, we move on. What came out after that? The Batman? Which the Batman. I thought it was pretty above average. I gave it three and a half stars out of five. Maybe because I missed a like ten minutes going to the bathroom. Yeah. But, uh, for me, the Batman was it, it was by far one of my the best superhero movie I saw last year. Um, but I would also say it's one of my favorite films and not trying to be biased because I, I do love Batman and, and DC. But um, I thought it had a stellar cast. I thought Robert Pattinson was a fantastic Batman. Um, and what I, what I really liked about his portrayal as Batman is that this was the first time that an actor really had to bear the weight of being Batman for the entire movie. When we think back to Michael Keaton or even Christian Bale as Batman, um, when you really add up the amount of time that he's in costume and has to be Batman, it's really not a lot. And this was a three hour film where we got very minimal Bruce Wayne and it had to be Robert Pattinson just carrying that weight. And I thought he was phenomenal. Yeah. I thought he was one of the best Batman we've ever had. Um, I also thought that other supporting cast members like Zoe Kravitz, Colin Farrell, Andy Serkis, I mean, it was, it was an all-star cast. Um, and for me, the story itself never felt like it was holding audience members' hands. They threw you in and they said, you better keep up. And I appreciate that. I thought it was sophisticated storytelling from start to finish. In a way that other superhero movies don't give you. They hold your hand yeah. the whole time. Since I've been reading more Batman comics, is it possible that we can get a suit that is not military-grade armor <coughs> entirely black? Or... Does that only work on the on the the page? 
I'll tell you that. Uh, you'll have to ask James Gunn. We'll see what he does with his uh, DC Universe interpretation of Batman. I want a pink. It Batman. seems like a pipe dream at this point, though. Mm-hmm. But we we've talked the superhero films to death. I think Thor yes. was okay. Black was Adam, we already talked about. Sure. Morbius was so bad it was pretty funny. Yeah. These are um, movies. These movies definitely came out last year. I can tell you that much. Oh, but of course we have Black Panther, which was the probably the only superhero film in my opinion that really lived up to the hype in my opinion that's Especially. true i, I will say yeah black panther another one where it's certainly it's cast um felt the weight of the passing of chadwick boseman they wore it on their sleeves and uh um whether it was dominique thorne having to introduce a character to us for the first time or to not cuerta as namor or having those uh, returning cast members, um, and the gosh, now I'm blanking on all their names. Letitia Wright, um, Lupita Oyongo, I can't remember now. Um, they certainly, they stepped up to the plate um, in a film that was pretty much an ensemble cast. I feel like everyone had a role um, and they filled that role perfectly. And it, that was a long movie too, but that one, that one felt like, um, a lot was happening. Every moment was earned. Every moment was needed, maybe with the exception of the um, Thunderbolt CIA side plot. But that was also a standout superhero movie. I'll give you Are that. You Black Panther? Mm-mm. Yeah, uh, as we already talked about for the podcast, for our listeners, 2022 was a pretty dry year for myself. I watched eight movies, and that was not one of the eight. So um the same with like marvel disney i feel like disney had a a pretty down year too light year i know maybe not to its own fault got sort of like review bombed and boycotted and all sorts of shit but i watched it was it was fine (laughs) Um, i think back on light year i don't think back on it favorably uh, uh, Strange World was to me felt like a a smorgasbord of half baked ideas behind a cool background. Um, I didn't get a chance to see Turning Red, but Chip and Dale I thought was the brightest Disney movie of the year. The oh yeah, the Pinocchio movie got absolutely destroyed by Did Disney. Put out a Pinocchio Guillermo. movie. Yeah, Tom Hanks as Geppetto. That's not Guillermo del Toro, though. Uh, I assume what you're about to say is yeah. Guillermo's was well, well, well in the Guillermo above. del Toro's, honestly, not the best movie I saw this year, but maybe my favorite movie of the year. I love the way that man's mind works. Uh, did you, did you, was Pinocchio one of your eight? No. Oh my goodness. I will say, in regard to Pinocchio, something that's come to light, which has got to be Hollywood's least favorite trend of 2022 is the way that VFX artists were treated. Oh. Um, I know a lot of VFX artists and um, those who work in that field have come out to say that a lot of the shoddy work that was done in Pinocchio was more than likely as a result of artists on strict schedules and tight deadlines and not enough resources being thrown their way, which is certainly something that we've seen across the industry especially for a lot of these big budget films seems like it's a disney problem oh absolutely because i i'm i'm speaking 
of my own theory, but it feels like the articles you've sent me about getting paid less if you're working at Disney, it seems like Disney feels like they're doing artists a favor by letting them work there. So like that's in their mind, that's part of their compensation is you get to work for us. So we get to pay you less because so many people want to work for us, which I think we will see a, a different tone in the future because as more people speak out about the fact that they're working nine, 10, 12 hour days, five days a week, six days a week, it's just not sustainable. Could I, oh, absolutely. Could I offer, and the cracks are already showing. Now for a quick little tangent, because it's something that I can actually speak towards. Of course. Um, Zach, as you know, and I don't know if you know Nicholas, I've been working on a video essay uh about whoa don't don't plug no, your no YouTube i'm channel. not i'm not plugging it, it tracks, <laughs> i swear i also i'm gonna plug it's our podcast fuck off uh in the animation industry i guess the anime industry in japan uh we're seeing a lot of parallels right now with what disney is doing so i'm very interested to see what happens here because over there it is ingrained in the culture uh a lot of animation, like artists, anime artists, uh, what are which are typically called like I think middlemen artists, basically, will animate, you know, these very intricate, you know, frames for a show and get paid the equivalent of like two dollars per drawing, and for them to make a living, they're working like six hundred hours a month, drop, you know, throwing out like hundreds of on hundreds of you know thousands of animations or drawings in a month, and so. I guess to bring this back home, recently I found out uh, a worker committed suicide uh, and it was deemed a work issue, a work-related incident by the Japanese police. Because he had found, they found that he had worked like 600 hours, had no breaks, and killed himself basically due to exhaustion. Uh, and so I'm wondering if it's going to take something so drastic over here where the culture is a little less capitalistic and a little less uh so in like working yourself to death is not as ingrained in our culture as it is kind of in the east and so i'm wondering what it's going to take for vfx artists and animators kind of in the the western industry like in the u.s like from disney what what is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back that uh, gets them yeah. to to get their their rights basically? Yeah, and we're we're seeing it in the the video game world too. Crunch. Mm -hmm. it's yeah, a, I think a terrible thing. We're certainly at the precipice. I feel like across all media, where there's so much content that is just being thrown. And a lot of that is a result, I think, still from the pandemic era where we were consuming so much content. Mm -hmm. And now that everyone and just life in general has started to kind of level off and the, we're not consuming the same amounts of content in the way that we used to, I think a lot of companies are having to catch up, whether it is the video game industry or whether you're in the entertainment, movie industry, whatever it might be. So uh, it's, it's going to hurt for a while. There's going to be some massive ramifications. Yeah. But anyway... Movies. Final <laughs> thing on Pinocchio, Guillermo del Toro's. What a beautifully crafted piece of art that is not only a love language to animation, to stop motion, but to the the story of Pinocchio himself. 
I think it's a shoe in for best animated picture, and I wouldn't even be surprised if it got nominated for best picture. Just beautiful. I can't. I can't say anything more about it. Where can I watch this film? It's on Netflix. Ooh, okay. I'll be watching that tomorrow, probably. Um, Netflix, like it came out through Netflix. You know how much I love animation. Um, we've already talked about Nope, so we don't have to get into that. Damn, that's on my list. Um, did we already do have an episode on Nope? Yeah, we did. Yes, uh, audience I members, did. go back, check it out. Increase the viewership on those episodes. I think that is the episode where I was like, this will be out on this date, and then it came out a month after I said. So, oops. I do think... I will, I'm going to be interested to see how it holds up in a couple years. Because I feel like Get Out still the gold standard. I think most people like us. I know we keep saying that we need to go rewatch it. But there's so much yeah. stuff coming out. And I already look favorably on Nope, so I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. <coughs> um, last episode was all on Avatar. Um, so I've got four movies that I think will be up for Best Picture. So are there any more bad movies we want to talk about? Oh, Lord. Mm. I saw some bad ones. Um, in terms of just franchise bad movies... Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. And RIP to the series, HBO may be uh, rebooting Harry Potter, which is interesting to say the least. That whole fucking company, dude. Um, fuck HBO. Um, I also had Jurassic Park, or excuse me, Jurassic World Dominion. I don't yeah. look favorably upon that one either. Me neither. That's a franchise yeah. film. Go watch the trailer, and you've seen the whole movie. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, the other movies I saw were pretty decent. I, I, Elvis, I saw Elvis. We talked about that one as well. I, I don't look favorably upon Elvis, but I know some people do. I am some people. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I, I still haven't seen it. I go over to um, my HBO Max profile, and I look at it, and I say, two hours and 40 minutes. It doesn't... Okay, the first act pacing is shit and then it's really well paced and also my family never grew up listen like i never grew up playing elvis in the house my family uh, didn't listen to him all i as growing up all i knew about elvis was that he died on the toilet and he used to make that sandwich where he would it's cut not a sandwich, loaf it's of bread a in half burger he would make a peanut butter burger Thank you very much. Uh, wasn't it? Was it called a gold, a gold, a nugget, gold so nugget? I don't even know. I think that's disgusting. Peanut butter jelly, bacon. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, that's I interesting. That's As, so for you and me, Zach, we, I mean, what I know about Elvis is basically what you just said, and we didn't really. Well, I didn't care for it. Meanwhile, Chase has some working knowledge of Elvis and some background. Oh, uh, my wife and is those obsessed. that generally do. Oh, yeah. No, and my mom saw with my mom and, and my grandmother, she's gushed all over it, and they grew up with Elvis. So there must be something to that. Just having that background and that, that love for Elvis already elevates the movie. Yeah. Um, I know we all gushed about Avatar. Most, I guess, no, not Nick. No, Chase didn't. I did not. But we, we I think since we recorded that episode, we have confirmation that four and five will be released. That's right. It, it, as of the 19th of January, it is chugging along. It might 
I I don't think it'll break top three, but I think it could slot yeah. right in in at fifth grossest, fifth highest grossing film of all time. <laughs> James Cameron's third film to reach over two billion dollars. That's insane. He has too much money. That's most. I think that's mostly the studio's yeah, money though. And let's not um, act that these people who are even complaining about Avatar The Way of Water aren't going to go watch 3 and 4 and 5 when they come out. Because they will. Those movies are also going to make $2 billion. And James Cameron, we trust. I've, I've gone... It's character development for me. You can't bet against the man. You love him or hate him. Yep. He's like LeBron James. He's always coming back for more. Um, I will say, just as what a, a quick addition to... What I already mentioned about Avatar in our previous episode, um, I have now gone to see it a second time, and I saw it in 3D high frame rate, HFR. Oh, where did you see that? Was that the local theater? It, it was at the University 16 in Walker, excuse me, in Oconee. Um, Whoa, don't dox yourself, bro. <laughs> well, now I and, gotta uh, fucking bleep something. I gotta actually edit the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Fuck. And that's uh, so what I've been telling people. When you when you watch Avatar, go see it on the biggest screen. Go watch it in the coolest. I haven't put on 3D glasses since I was maybe eight years old. It was awesome. It so looked it, it was so worth it. And the film, it did feel like three hours. It still felt like a long movie, but I also got so much more out of it. And and since I didn't have any expectations, I I just took it for what it was. I enjoyed it so much more. It, it it's still a nine out of ten for me. It is awesome. Because I wanted to see it in 3D, but my local theater that I go to that I have the Regal Pass at, that I get to see it for free, the seats don't recline or anything. It's kind of, it's not run down, but it's not like renovated. And I just cannot justify spending $25 for a 3D movie to go see a movie I've already seen. Um, but last thing, last time I'm going to plug Barbarian. Have neither of y'all got around to watch it? I don't know if y'all aren't horror guys, are you? No. Horror. Abigail says I tend to pronounce horror as horror. I'm neither. I'm not a horror guy or a horror guy, so no need, no, no misconceptions. Um, that was probably my my most enjoyable theater moment was in Barbarian. Just the the twist, and then the second twist, and then the, the all out. Craziness of the third act is. Is it Vikings? Barbarian is not. It's so. It's the the trailer is about a girl that checks into her Uber, not her Uber, her Airbnb, oh. and then there's another guy already in there. I'm thinking of the Northman. The Northman saw that one. That's Vikings. Okay. Yes, but it did have Alexander Sarsgaard in it. Sarsgaard, the brother of the guy who was in the Northman. Oh. Maybe there's, it was Bill's. My... I can't remember. One of the Sarl's Saul, Guard brothers. Scars Guard. Scarl's Guard. Scars um, Guard. So, my top three movies of the year, I'm staring at them right now, are going in reverse order. Number three is All Quiet on the Western Front. And y'all get a chance to watch that, Nicholas? Nope. Did not. Um,. Did I have I talked about come and see on this? I think briefly podcast. If not on the podcast, we talked about I it think, in person. I think I life. did. It was a Belarusian Soviet anti-war film about the 
the Belarus resistance against the Nazis as they were pushing into Russia. Can I ask a question? Yes. This is not the movie about the little the the kid going through war, is it? That I'm thinking of. Yes, it is. It's about. Oh, I've heard a lot about this film. Um, I think it is the best single best piece of anti-war. I don't want to say propaganda. Uh, media. Just film media of all time. After I finished the movie, I was just staring at the screen for <coughs> ten minutes. And I think All Quiet on the Western Front, maybe recency bias, is a not a close second, but a, the second most effective that I've seen in a long time. Just really shows how horrific war, and in particular World War One, was. Because I feel like us us dudes, us guys, growing up, we tend to, for some reason, we're marketed towards guns. We loved watching war movies, but we we gravitate towards. The more destructive wars, like World War II, oh, you get a Thompson machine gun, oh, Vietnam, that got cool music. We we often forget about World War One because it wasn't as cool. Everyone just sat in their trench all day. You're right. And it's I'm just it's, laughing. It's forgotten. I think especially in the American zeitgeist, people don't. We entered the war so late, and it wasn't really our war in a sense. It didn't ravage our lands. Um, and especially seeing it from a German perspective when usually we're on, we're rooting for the French or the English or the Americans, but every time we watch, uh, can't remember his name, the main character get into a fight, we almost want him to kill the Frenchman because we want to see him survive. And then I'll spoil it a little bit. It's. The way they film it, it's it's almost like uh, an episode of a reality TV show where one person gets eliminated every so often, and but this time they die. All his friends are dying around him, and he he makes it to the finale. And what's going to happen? Who's going to win the war? Him? I won't spoil how it ends. <coughs> it's a very uh, very effective piece of anti-war media. And uh, Nicholas, I'll let you take the lead on this. My second favorite film of the year. I think you know what it is. Uh, yes, uh. and it's also one of my favorite films of the year. It's probably, I don't know if it's my first or my second, but it's everything, everywhere, all at once. And uh, it's funny we we already talked about the superhero genre. In my eyes, this is what I wanted Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness <laughs> to be, almost in a way. Um, Holy cow. First of all, I got to give massive credit. And I, gosh, I apologize to these actors or those who'd be offended and actresses. But these names, Michelle Yeo, who played uh, Evelyn. And then Short Round from Indiana Jones. Whoa, he's not his character, bro. He's, He's made it abundant that he is much more than Short Round. Oh, absolutely. And, I, and that's where I'm ready to give him his flowers right now. Both of them were phenomenal. And their relationship in the film was one of the most realistic depictions of a relationship I've seen in quite a while. I thought the film, it, it was, it's crazy that this film is able to straddle fun, but at the same time, like pull out my heartstrings. Like this film, if a film can make me cry by the end of it, it's doing something right. 
I was a mess by the end of this film. And I came out of it, like, almost simultaneously incredibly optimistic. The way that the film finishes, it makes you feel good. And it just makes you, like, I just had a new lease on life. Like, I just felt so, like, a transformed person coming out of it. And I can't give a film any higher marks than that. Like, I, I felt to, like a different person. I need to watch it again because I remember coming out of it thinking, like, uh, to me, it felt like they made a mistake at the end. I can't. How really? does it end? They both end up being it. Can't they both jump in between realities and they are all being, they all have the knowledge of all their infinite realities. And isn't that how it ends? Yes, I believe so. Because well, for, for me, it was this film. It's, it's, it's nihilistic in the sense that the daughter who I, I apologize, I, I don't have her name off the top of my head, but the daughter is essentially traversing the multiverse and her skill set, her power set comes from being able to access all these different versions of herself and what she can be. And it's this rebellion against mom for this relationship that she felt like didn't exist in her eyes. And so we're getting this really sad moment and this film is bringing us to this climax of nothing matters and it's, it's all crap. But then by the end, it's completely flipped on its head, not only with the daughter and mom's relationship, but also with uh, his Kei Kwan's character, Waymond, I believe was his name, and then Evelyn, their relationship is completely transformed as a result, and everyone's in a better place at the end, but it doesn't feel cheap. They feel like they all end up in a natural place that makes me feel good about myself and my relationship with others. It ends on a positive note, and I love it. I need to rewatch it because for, for some reason I was I came out of it, I was like, the facial expression she gives at the end of the film makes it seem like she thinks she fucked up. It could be too. And maybe that's the beauty of this film. I, I maybe I completely read that wrong. That's we <coughs> saw it almost a year ago. Yeah. It didn't feel like it came out in 2022. Yeah. And it's still not streaming anywhere. Which uh, HBO Max has a deal with A24, so hopefully come Oscar season, it'll be somewhere. It says it's streaming um, on Paramount Plus in Showtime. Paramount Plus? Who has Paramount Plus? I think my aunt does. I will call her up. Then watch it. If it's on Paramount Plus, watch it. Um, really Chase, what was your favorite movie of the year? Ooh, okay. Shit. Um... There's only there's I'm only eight so, to choose from. Yeah, I know. And it's not Avatar. No. <laughs> definitely not that. Um I'm so bad. I like even like I, I even listening to music and stuff and like trying to rank my top five favorite albums, I always just give my five best albums of all time and I can never go five, four, three, two, one. I'm really bad at I think I I'm too sentimental, so I don't ever want to be like, well this one's better. They're all so good to me. Which is such a cop out, fucking fence sitting answer. So I'm gonna say no. Nope. Bro, you only got you only got eight answers. Nope. There's no. Nope. One's one's got to be it's better nope. than the rest. It's nope. <laughs> it's nope. It's nope. Nope. Um. I just love and... Jordan Peele. I love the way he fucking everything he does is so interesting and so and I feel like everything he does is very intentional. And I thought every shot in that film had its had a purpose, and there was never any wasted air or wasted space. And I do. I like how everyone. That leaves that movie 
comes out of it with a different sort of like analysis. Mm-hmm. And I mean, arguably some of it could be wrong uh, and not what some, he was going for, but some of it has to be wrong. Like statistically, um, there is a debate on if meaning it can be given to a film, even if the author didn't intend for it. And once it's pushed out into the, the void, all intended <coughs> meaning, meaning that the, the director and everyone has goes to the wayside and it's up to the viewers to decipher for themselves. So in a way, maybe none of it's wrong. But it will be interesting, like I said before, to see how it holds up. But my, unlike Chase, I don't have a problem ranking my movies. <laughs> my favorite film of the year comes as a shock to even me was The Fablemans. Mm. Steven Spielberg's newest film. I wanted to get to it. I hadn't got to it yet. I, I had to pay $16 to go see it because it wasn't playing at my, my, my regal. But my goodness, Steven Spielberg, he, uh, he's, he's done it again. He let me down with West Side Story. I refuse to see it. I, why are we, we, we've talked about this for years on the podcast. Why are we remaking West Side Story? But little, I guess almost <laughs> exactly a year later, he comes out with one of the most heartfelt and endearing family dramas of the 2020s. No, we're only the third year in it. But my goodness, semi autobiographical about his parents' doomed marriage, his love for cinema, and oh, just go watch it. And uh, Gabriel LaBelle, I think he made his acting debut as uh, he's not Stevens, he's uh, what's his what is. Fableman, someone like that. I don't know. Uh, starts with Sammy. Sammy Fableman. And you can tell a lot of the the true to real life aspects of the film, like the anti-Semitism that he experiences in high school and the, the parents' marriage just crumbling around them. As Paul Dano, the dad, tries like drastically to save it. Just a great film. Um, anything else we want to talk about? We talked about our best. We talked about the worst. Um, if I may, since I only saw eight films from this year, and there were a lot of really, really good films out, I would like to hold myself accountable. I have a list of films to see. I'm not gonna watch everyone on this list. I know Banshees of In Inisherin. We need to. I need to watch because we might make an episode on it. Uh, other than that, that might be my number one. Uh, yeah, I refrain from talking about that one because I know we're gonna. Yeah, me too. We're gonna turn our full attention to it. If it's I'm not everything, to... everywhere, all at once, that one might be my number one. We're going to watch that. Uh, I really want to watch Puss in Boots: The Last Wish. Everything I've seen about it is extremely positive. I love animation. I've seen two scenes from this film only, and both of them made me want to see it really, really badly. But that one is really high up on the list. Everything yeah, surprisingly, 
No, Chase, I'm with you. Honestly, when I heard they were doing another Puss in Boots, I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit. I was like, oh, no, that seems like a cash grab. I've heard phenomenal things about it. I might have to check it out myself, too. Sorry, my wife just texted me. Um, I'll just read it before I go on because this is really funny. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just because it's my wife. She just texted me. I burned my finger. I said, I'm so sorry. She said, I let the intrusive thoughts win. So now I, I, I'm so curious what she did. Is she in the other room? I don't know where she is. I could ask her. I don't think she wants to be on the pod, though. Uh, everything Everywhere the All at Once. The podcast where three people listen to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everything Everywhere All at Once I'm going to see. I want to see The Whale because fucking Brendan Fraser. Yeah. God bless the his Whale soul. and Tar are the only ones on my list that I haven't seen. Uh, the Tar wasn't playing anywhere. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent just because it looks fucking weird and I like weird shit. Damn, I forgot about that one. Weird, the Al Yankovic story, because anything Daniel Radcliffe does after Harry Potter is always super fucking, like, idiosyncratic and just, like, out there. And I think that's something really cool to be said about that. Too uh, bad it's on the Roku channel. <laughs> it'll be fine. The Boy, I have a Roku TV. The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. I saw one clip from this from TikTok, and I was sold. It looks like a very, I don't even know how to describe it. I haven't read anything about it. The one scene I saw was extremely tender and just looked very sweet and cute. And it's uh, animated, and I like animated films, so I'm going to watch it. Uh, I actually have two more. This one because it's really bad, and I've heard nothing but bad things about it. Uh, Moonfall came out this year, believe it or not. I tried to watch that one and clicked on it and saw that it was over two hours long. I have and heard, I said, uh-uh, ain't I have happening. Heard <laughs> so many terrible things about this film that I have to watch it. And finally, a film that I've seen nothing but get praise for is RRR. Uh, it's a Bollywood film. It looks really. It looks. It just looks fucking off the walls. So I'm gonna watch that as well. But those are my like top top films that I really want to make sure I watch from this past year. Yep, that's Perfecto. it. <laughs> if you guys have any other uh, recommendations, I'll take them. But I, don't hold me to them. Avatar. Watch it again until you like it. Nah. <laughs> yeah. I understood um, the story and I didn't like it. Uh I'll briefly speak to three films that could not be further from each other, some that stood out to me. Um one, if you even some of you might not even consider this a film, <laughs> Jackass Forever. I mentioned this before we even got on. Even though you don't even classify it as a film, uh, there's something to being in the theater. And then just laughing, like literally just nonstop laughing with, a, with an audience. I, there, I think that's a, just an awesome experience. And if you just need a good chuckle, go watch it. Um, the Black Phone. That was one of my favorites of the summer. That might have been my film of the summer. Um, next to the last one I'll talk about. I thought Ethan Hawke was a phenomenal um, child abductor. That sounds wrong to say, but he was fantastic and very menacing and creepy. And I thought that the two child actors, um, I can't remember their the actor and actress's name, but in the movie, the characters are named Finney and Gwen. Some of the best child acting I've ever seen. Um, and especially Finney, who's the the protagonist of the film. It, I, I truly couldn't believe it. I think he's depicted in the movie as a maybe a 12-year-old boy, could be 14 or 15 in real life. Um, he killed it. Phenomenal. I'd certainly like to see him in some future projects. 
And then lastly, I know we all saw this film, and uh, the results are definitely mixed across the board. I think Chase is more in line with my thoughts on this. Zach, you are far from us. Uh, Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> more than anything, I think it's just a fun popcorn flick. Like, I, I would, it has, like, innumerable, like, watchability qualities to me. And, um, I mean, you can't say that it wasn't successful. It absolutely overachieved and was one of the highest grossing films that we've seen this year. And for good reason. I mean, everyone and their mother saw this. And I thought it was, I thought it was fun. I thought it was great. But I will, I will say that if I wasn't dating to dating a military kid who went and saw the movie with her military pilot father, I would not have seen this movie. That's not a, that's not a dig at the movie. Yeah, it's just sure. not. I have no interest in seeing films funded by the American military. Three stars, though. I give it three out of five. Stick to your guns. Look, if they're gonna, your guns. if they're gonna get your top guns, fucking eight hundred and sixty billion dollars every year, you can give a little bit to fucking Hollywood. You can line Tommy Hanks. That's not even Tommy. What am I saying? Tommy Cruise. Tom Hanks. Yeah. Tom Cruise. You can line Tommy. Sorry, this is a song called Tommy Hanks by Jakey. Uh, you can line Tommy Cruise's pockets with a little bit of that military budget. You know what I'm saying? Might as well. Better than funding another fucking SAM missile or another fucking whatever. I don't know enough about some guns. More, uh, nothing. Nothing like more, a, uh, I'd rather. I'd rather to Israel. Rather give fucking Miles Teller a bag than fucking bomb a village in Syria. Anyway, it's probably. An, I don't think it's an either or situation, but I I see your. Uh, I know your sentiment. I know. <laughs> Zach, any others you you like to share with us? Um, my biggest disappointment was White Noise, Noah Baumbach's new film. I thought the film went completely off the walls in the second half in a horrific way. And maybe I wouldn't be so mad about it if it wasn't marketed as a like disaster apocalypse film. But because that's not what it is at all. And my most recent watch was Megan. Just a... Uh, <coughs> Horrific watch from start to finish. Whoa, you're supposed to save that for the 2023 year in review, my guy. Did it come out? I have it on my list. Yeah, it came out January 6th, I think. Uh, Did it have a limited release in 2022? Yeah. Okay. The release date is January 6th, yeah, but it says says it's 2022 film. Yeah, but I think that's it. Overall, I would give this year a B minus. Yeah. In movies. the highs were high, the lows were low for me. Let's see, 2021. Let me just go quickly to 2021. What did they have that... I mean, 2021... I mean, Dune, Jude and the Black Messiah, Coda, Licorice Pizza, The Green Knight, The French Dispatch... 2021 was kind of a dud too. I I would I, if I'm giving that a B minus. I feel that if we go back to our episode looking at what 2022 um you know, bef- I guess the be- beginning of 2022, I think we would have said this year looked to be very good. Uh which mm-hmm. is disappointing. 
because I'm looking yeah. at 2023 films now and I'm like, wow, this looks like it should be good. And I think I'm going to be wrong. Yeah, we will do an episode on 2023, but... Oh, we're not doing it this one? Oops. Oh. I thought we were combining both. I mean, we can. We can roll on. Yeah, we're only at 40, was we're only at, we're only at 40 minutes. We don't have to if you're not prepared. I just have a list from IMDb I can send you if you want. I just... I just... Uh, I, I thought we were doing both. We got Craven the Hunter coming out, though, so... Pack it up. Now let's do a different episode on that because all right that's fine i will say the one thing about 2023 that you guys can look forward to that i'm going to talk about and i'll actually uh 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 uh, uh contribute looking at this list is the dungeons and dragons film because i i fucking love D and i've never played it but I, i'm gonna go see that film because i like D and a lot and it might be really, really bad. And then I might come here and just fucking bitch and moan. Yeah. All right. I guess that's, that does it for us, right? That is it. That is it. So this, uh, audience members, if you liked what you heard here, all the films that we were talking about this year, go back. Listen to some of those previous episodes on the year. We go in more in-depth analysis. Go ahead and give those a listen if you liked what you saw today. And where can they yep. find us? Uh, Do you know where they can find uh, us? Uh, TikTok is at Chid. No, Let me fucking oopsies. Well, he's doing that. You can find us on Twitter at Close Screening Podcast, or is it just Close Screening? I don't even remember anymore. I'll look um, anywhere you get your podcasts, you can find us at the Close Screening Podcast, Spotify, Apple Music, Google. What is our Google Google Podcasts? Yeah, Google Overcast. Play. Overcast. I forgot that existed. If you're listening to this on Overcast, fucking shoutouts. I don't know what the fuck you're thinking, but shoutouts. Um, shout out to Mason Antoine for the follow on Twitter. Oh, and poop. It's at close screening. Shout out to Hunter Smith as well and Nando. Oh, but uh, we just got a follow from Mason. Looks like there's a logo animator that follows us. I think that's the one that uh, they make our logo. Make our logo. Ah, <laughs> nice. Hey, just want to say all all those people that are giving us the follow and viewing. That's me. I'm I'm doing that. You guys to step it up. Spread the word, baby. Those are I all my peeps. Posted a TikTok. Uh, how long ago was this? Uh, I will. February of last year. <laughs> I. Hey, we're gonna get it. we're gonna get it rolling. I've been busy working on my fucking. Oh, our TikTok. Yeah. I literally. It is the closed screening. Heck yeah. All right. I think that'll do it for us here. We'll catch you next time. Bye. See ya.